This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, May 28th of 2020, it's episode 179. In this episode, Chrissy Woodward joins us to talk about Chaotic Neutral, part 8 of our ongoing alignment series. Plus, the books we haven't gotten to yet, a refreshing lack of racial essentialism, Samson and Jack Sparrow, U.S. military doctrine, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. I'm Jenny. And I'm Chrissy. We have a Chrissy back. Hooray! Yay! Yes, for those who don't know, Chrissy is my wife and has uh, kindly agreed to come on to talk about chaotic neutral characters because uh, it's her favorite alignment Mm -hmm. and she's good at playing them. I like to think so. Chrissy is also um, the only member of our regular gaming group that will agree to come on a podcast, so... (laughs) There's also that. And, you know, she and Peter are just going to argue for about 45 minutes while Jenny and I just kick back. I got my glass of wine. We're going to be good. Probably (laughs) not, actually. Have you looked at our notes? I have. I'm, I'm, like, two-thirds joking. Um... (laughs) If you really wanted this to turn into an argument, you would have needed about two years ago, Peter, more. Yeah. I've worked very hard to bring Peter over to my way of thinking. And I, as a GM, I greatly appreciate that. Or at least to the point where I understand your way of thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing Peter actually playing Chaotic Neutral. Look, I can have goals. (laughs) (laughs) You can, Chrissy. Shoot for the moon. You do (laughs) Do it. All right. So, uh, anything you want to say about yourself? I mean, you've introduced yourself a few times on the podcast before. Grant's wife, mother of his children. That's about all I do right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Quarantines are fun. Yeah. And this is Um, like when we bring Derek White or Mike Perna on. People are like, yeah, yeah, we know who you are. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. What has, what's been going on for people? I admit I don't have a ton. Like, I had one session of the Star Wars game that I was able to play. I missed the uh, the first one because uh, of some work stuff. What else? We finally got our kettlebells. Okay, she's excited about getting uh, kettlebells in the mail. So, <laughs> yeah, we have 15 and 20-pound kettlebells. They're actually really cool. They're, um, rather than being just the, you know, like, ironing it with a handle Mm -hmm. they are uh neoprene bags filled with iron sand okay i have a i have a five pound sand one that's like big and bulky yeah Um, yeah they're fairly bulky but yeah these are bigger than a regular kettlebell no no they're really not um but they are uh they're a lot safer around kids and pets and floors so yeah yeah, one fell over on my foot today, and it was not even a thing. I was going right. to say, okay. probably also toes. Yeah, a lot better than, you know, the iron handle coming down and getting you. So, yep. that's that's what we're, that's where we are. <laughs> I've mostly been sick cat-sitting, largely. I say cat-sitting. More like just, like, following my cat around, making sure she doesn't make a mess of things. Yes. Um, she was fine for, like, a week. Because we, we had her on an anti-inflammatory for a week, and then there was a, a week of peace. And then everything went to heck and uh, again, and we now officially have the very common diagnosis of bladder crystals as, like, what what is it? It's like one in five cats have or something like that. Like, a yeah. lot of cats have this issue. Oh, so, yeah, we had one that had it uh, right around the time our first kid was born, so. Yeah, yeah, and I, I grew up with, with two cats... Uh, 
not not at the same time, but I've had two previous cats that have had the same issue. So, um, see, so yeah, it's yet another thing. <laughs> yep, it, it's it's not fun, but at least you have like a diagnosis. Yeah, and it's yeah. not the previous diagnosis we have of sometimes cats just get so stressed that they pee blood, <laughs> which was not a f- and it, it what what's it called idiopathic cystitis. Feline idiopathic cystitis was the initial diagnosis, which is just like, sometimes your cat is just going to respond badly to stress, and the bad response is blood pee. Wee. I'm glad uh, it's not that. Yeah. I'm also glad it's not something like FELV or congestive mm-hmm. heart failure or something, because I've been through both mm-hmm. of those, and that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both. she wasn't acting anything like that, because she was still super like energetic about everything she That's was good. doing. Just Yeah. <laughs> it's just been a stressful time. Mm. Uh, Macmillan <laughs> Publishing. <a> stressful time? <laughs> yeah, Macmillan Publishing has actually done one good thing. Can I, what? Can Wait, I talk on, about hold that? On, hold on. Is that allowed? I'm pretty sure uh, that's like in their con- like in their publishing contract is we're not allowed to do good things. Especially for public libraries. But you know what they did? They literally said... We're. They didn't literally say this, but this is what I imagine happened. Um, we're tired of you emailing us for permission. Just read your stuff. Read our stuff online. We don't care anymore. Please stop asking us. Oh my goodness, we're so overwhelmed. Um, we get four hundred thousand emails every week from every library in the you know the U.S. and Canada, and probably some yeah. in Europe too. And our yeah, I, policy people are more, pulling their hair out. <laughs> more Europe than the U.S. or Canada, because honestly, I've been trying. Trying my level best to boycott them as much as I can, uh, but you know what? Their kids lit uh, group is act- like like their kids lit um, uh, department is actually not half bad. It's their that's ebook good. department that deserves to be burned to the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. It's the ebook department is awful. Uh huh. And, and you know what? That's kind of true of every publisher, but especially Macmillan. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> I am not in that world, and I had heard of how bad they are. Oh, it's so bad. It's so You know what? I'm not going to get too deep into it because it gets me way too angry. But you know what, Macmillan? You did one good thing. Snaps for Macmillan. I would like to believe that there's a whole group of librarians who have sent a separate email every day for every book they are considering reading. Uh, You know what? It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like... I, I, that, that's my job right now. I am just emailing, begging publishers, hey, can you bend this one rule because I'm a public librarian, not a school librarian. That's my job right now. Um, and we'll continue to be until the end of June. So. Yeah. Speaking of um, media and media companies, we have been watching Avatar with our kids. Yes. Uh, it's been exciting. Seven-year-old who has some anxiety issues has reacted variably to certain things. Fair, um, understandable. I also acted variably to certain things that yeah. I watched it in university. So, so, so here's what's interesting. Uh, we have I have determined that she is just like me, mm-hmm. in that she has no real issue with procedural tension, hmm. but gets real upset about dramatic tension and emotional tension. Gotcha. Hmm. So, okay. I, and I'm exactly the same way. It's why I hate sitcoms, which are all let's embarrass each other. Right? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's I can't stand those situations. kind of cringe comedy movies or anything either. I can right. do one episode of The Office at, at a time. 
I I very faintly enjoyed Community, and that was the only mm. sitcom I have ever enjoyed in the slightest. It's it's mm. that same reaction. So obviously, Avatar has a lot of character development. Mm-hmm. So at certain times, there have been some issues. But after a day or two, she's gotten back on the bandwagon, and we've moved forward. And four year old uh, was. So excited about Avatar, he was literally uh, wriggling like a worm on the floor because he couldn't control himself. So (laughs) he he just cackled. If there's any piece of media that's worth that kind of a reaction, it's Avatar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He's done it for other things, but Avatar is the most recent. He he likes to get on the floor and wiggle. Let's. That's He's a four-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, he did actually spend a good 10 or 15 minutes rushing gleefully between me and Grant to negotiate the next Avatar watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was so excited. Yeah. It's real good. <laughs> it is real good. And we're having fun. We got, we, um, I mean, we pretty much binged our way through the first season. So. Yeah. Two days? Three? Yeah. It was like three, three or four days total. Um. And then, you know, season two, of course, things get a little more dramatic, right? There's that mm-hmm. kind of shift between season one and seasons two and three. Now, you know, we'll see how things go, but I'm the kids are definitely enjoying it. Good. Yeah. And we're enjoying rewatching it with them. So mm-hmm. having fun. All right. Shall we do our Patreon question? You got anything you wanted to bring up? Um, not really. <laughs> 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 I mean, there there's um there's not a whole lot going on in my life other than studying right now. And yeah, I mentioned, fair. like, I'm getting a, an additional chance at some certs that I thought were going to expire. So uh, right. that seems to be going well, but That's it's not a very exciting thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. You good? Yeah. I don't have much going on. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to hear about my crazy workouts. <laughs> well, if you want to hear about her crazy workouts, check out the fitness channel in our Discord she posts them occasionally, and it's terrifying. Yeah, um, Chrissy is in absurd shape. <laughs> I, I look yeah. at some of these workout routines, and I'm like, I would injure myself. I wouldn't die, but I would definitely injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right. Um, let's let's roll for our Patreon questions, shall we? Sure. All righty. Hey, roll to one. Mark it down, folks. This is probably the first time in at least a year. (laughs) All right. uh, So this is from David Hastings. Hastings, probably. It's probably Uh, Hastings. Hastings. It's probably Hastings. David Hastings. Uh, It's it's like, it's David Patreon. Um, (laughs) I I get so much pushback from how I pronounce Patreon and Patreon. It's hilarious. I've started just splitting well, it 50-50. Th- that's what um, Cartas does. Like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, David asks, what book on your shelf have you been telling your- yourself you'll get around to reading for years now? I have a whole shelf dedicated to this. This is not a joke. I'm right. looking at my dedicated shelf of have not yet finished i have alphabetized it uh it is it currently has more books on it than uh in my i have definitely read this all the way through shelf um i i'm actually this is sort of kind of relevant uh to my job i'm thinking of doing a full bookshelf reorg and recording it as like not exactly programming but kind of programming and doing a video recording of me 
doing a full reorg of my shelf. I would watch that. If I think if I probably I do would it, too. If I do it, and I probably will, uh, we can probably just put a link in the show notes whenever that goes up. Because yeah. yeah, I I am very. Here's the thing. I'm particular in my systems, but my systems have not been followed for about a year and a half. So I need a full reorg done. And I'm probably also going to just like chuck a few books that I just don't see myself reading ever again. Um, and uh, so a, a combined shelf reorg and shelf un- unhaul. So I've got one that... I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't really gotten very far into here uh, because it's it's very much up my alley. It's very much up the podcast's alley, and I've had it for, well, I, I basically got it as soon as it came out, and that's that role-playing games college textbook that Sarah Lynn Bowman mm. worked on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That thing just sits there and looks at me like, you're going to actually pull me down and try and get through me one of these days? <laughs> at this point, my answer is, yeah, probably after I got a bunch of Microsoft certs. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, yeah I really want to get to that one at some point. Grant? Um, so there's one, I wouldn't say it's been on my shelf for years, uh, but it's actually really cool. It's one I haven't gotten around to yet. Um, I am a big fan of a YouTube channel called Number File. It's yes. basically, uh, math nerdery. Okay. Yeah. And one of their recurring, uh, guests is a f- just absolutely delightfully crazy person named Cliff Stoll. Uh, Cliff is like, if... If Doc Brown knew more about mathematics, okay, he is just wild hair, excitable person. Is this the Klein bottles in his basement guy? This is the guy with uh, a thousand (laughs) Klein bottles uh, made of glass under his house that he built a robot to go act as, you know, a logistical transporter to get the Klein bottles out and packaging and all that sort of stuff. Okay, absolutely amazing, crazy person. Uh, Also, an astronomer originally, and he wrote a book, and Peter, this is actually one I think you would uh, particularly enjoy because it is literally in your professional wheelhouse, called The Cuckoo's Egg. This is Cliff Stoll tracking a spy through the maze of the earliest internet before it went public. When it was all university research uh, departments and and military military installations uh, and direct phone line connections and all that sort of thing, there was someone logging in and messing around in their network and, and spying on them. And there were little tiny signs that he was piecing together. He tracked it down. And it's kind of the first case of Internet era counter espionage. And basically system hardening and anti-intrusion work. Yeah, you've told me about this one before. That does sound fascinating. It's really fascinating. Also, absolutely. Like, first off, I think many of our listeners would find number file really cool. I really like his one about the the sound-based calculator, I think it was. Sound-based computer, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was such a a cool video. Yeah, Cliff Stoll's just a fascinating guy. Much of Numberphile is fascinating. Uh, but I, I, this book has been literally on my desk for months. Mm-hmm. I've, I have said, you know what? 
I'm not going to read this yet. I'm going to loan it to my dad. My dad devoured it in like two weeks and gave it back. <laughs> I have no excuse other than I just don't think of it as a thing to do. So, yeah, that's mine. Uh, the book is The Cuckoo's Egg. Chrissy? Um, oh, I have so many books since, you know, I've had children, which massively cuts into your reading time. Uh, I have started and not finished one that's been on my shelf for years, which is called Plagues and People. And it's looking at history from the lens of epidemics and pandemics and how that affects human expansion and human civilization. Mm-hmm. So it's really fascinating. It's uh, not a light read. It's you really have to be able to focus because it's written for, you know, an audience who's really interested in a deep dive into history. Um, and then, of course, I have shelves of other things, a mm-hmm. biography of Elizabeth Taylor, Catch-22. Mm-hmm. Uh, one actually in the same vein, mm-hmm. a classic of the kind of pop history genre, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yes, I have I ha- that one. I have not read it yet either. Mm-hmm. It's been on the shelf literally for years. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking for one title from me... Just to, so that I can actually answer the question instead of being like, oh, I have a whole shelf dedicated to this. Uh, this is my secret shame. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I have not finished. Oh, you'll I love have, it. I, I, I love the first half of it like three times. Oh, you think the first <laughs> half is good. Oh I boy, know, the Peter, second Peter, half I is know. amazing. Stop mocking me, Peter. I'm not I know mocking you. Already. I'm encouraging you. You will absolutely but love the second half of that book. I have I, brought it with me. On three eight-hour-long plane rides. Has it been finished once? Never. Can I I make a suggestion? If you can find the audiobook that Simon Preble did, that's a really, really good version. I know, and everyone recommends me audiobooks, but honestly, I find myself zoning out so much with audiobooks that I don't actually feel like I've read the thing. I often do, too, but with this one... I was so engaged that, like, I, I found I I remember this vividly. I found a website that was just like plain white jigsaw puzzles of ever increasing size, just <laughs> to kind of give my eyes and my hands something to do, and mm. just sat there and put those together while I listened to it, and just loved the book. Yeah, hmm. what I really need to do is not have a sick cat, and yeah. also have a day off ever uh yeah and because that's never happening again and it's just it's just gonna sit there being very large um and yeah i mean that that book would probably stop some rifle rounds i mean it's Uh, a big old door got me security checked at the airport (laughs) 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 because it just shows up as this giant void sure so (laughs) they pull it out oh you're a reader okay never mind Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. funny yeah i haven't read it either uh i probably should oh you would you would also love it but not as much as jenny like well so the funny thing is i apparently have to read Stuart little i have i have read Stuart little in the past oh no i no no actually i haven't i haven't either uh i have we got uh our seven-year-old the uh the eb white box set um uh charlotte's web trump of the swan and Stuart little as a kind of end of year gift 
because those are all three books that they, uh, she covered or she studied in class, mm-hmm. right? And we sort of mentioned, you know, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I ever read Stuart Little. So she's been hounding me to let me uh, <laughs> read Stuart Little. She's like, Daddy, here, you can borrow it every day. She slammed <laughs> through that book in a day so she could loan it to us. I hated it. I hated that book so much, and every time I think about the ending, I just hate it more. I don't think I liked it very much either. I, I vaguely remember some part of it, but mm. yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, I hated a, the ending. children's book that you guys probably would like? No, we hate books. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's an older book called Secret Agents 4 by Donald oh, yeah. Sobel out there. I didn't actually, I, I acquired this thing, like, in a garage sale or something to that effect. Like, picked it up secondhand somehow in my early 20s, okay? There were sections of that book that the first time I read it had me laughing so hard I had to close the book so I could catch my breath. Cool. Nice. So, if you want something really funny to read to your kids, that might be a good one. At least if your kid's sense of humor resembles mine at all, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, that that I really liked that one. That one might be one to track down if you can find copies. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. I, I have right. one other thing that I forgot in the early section that I may want to just like splice in, but this is kind of cool. So um, I've actually been doing a tiny little bit of freelance RPG writing lately, and I had an article come out for the EN Cider Patreon that has been getting a lot of um, positive feedback called uh, multi-classing feats. Uh, I basically went through and did 12 two-class combinations from the player's handbook. So This that is sounds D&D like, specifically. Yes, just this is clear. 5e specific. Yeah. And um, so if you have, you know, use for that sort of thing, check out the EN Cider Patreon. It was... Uh, kind of fun and i've got more stuff that they have hired me to write that hasn't been published yet so i can't talk about it but hooray published Yay! author published yep. game author yep well done thank you and cool. to your business card indeed yeah well david david hastings we appreciate your uh, your question we've turned into about what 15 minutes of content just on that <laughs> so, good, good work thank you much and uh, if you want to ask your own uh, excellent and insightful question uh, please just back us on uh, Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get to do just that. Send us as many questions as you want. We put them on the table. We roll for them and we see what comes up. Yeah, you too can make us air our backlog shame. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and read our scripture and then let's delve into our topic, which is, of course, chaotic neutral wrapping up. Trying to wrap up this alignment series. One more to go after this. We're excited. Who wants to take Ecclesiastes? I'll take it. I can it. do that. Oh, or, okay. Okay. No, go ahead, Jenny. That's... All right. Because uh, we, we just finished reading Ecclesiastes at my house. So, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. And we have Zephaniah, chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. Possibly our first ever reading from Zephaniah Yeah, I think I may have to actually create a new tag for that when I'm putting this episode (laughs) up. 
And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And we have Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right. So as I said, we're talking about chaotic, neutral, everything about that alignment tonight. And this was probably the series creator, I think. Oh, this yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. This is what made me angry enough to go along with the idea. Um, <laughs> so a couple of quick reminders. Obviously, we are trying to talk about the, these as objective character traits, not character self-perception. Uh, and when we talk about good and evil, I think most of us have some concept of good and evil. But when we're talking about law versus chaos, we're using law to mean generally orderly and, you know, pro-social, that sort of thing, and chaotic to mean uh, not that. <laughs> uh, individualistic. Very and, individualistic, yeah. yes. Uh, although thinking about this particular alignment and everything around it has made me want to revisit that slightly which will probably come to later. Mm -hmm. This sort of thinking is probably also why we're going to do a 10th episode of this series once we've gotten through yeah. all nine alignments. Yes, where I, where I yell angrily about alignment in general. But we're, let's, let's start off, as we have been, with our alignment descriptions from various editions. And can I please, please, pretty please, read the AD&D 2nd edition one? I mean, you have in every previous episode, yeah. so why would we take it away from you now? I'll take the fifth edition one like I usually do. Go for it. Shoot, he's right. Okay. Uh, wait, can I do the fifth edition one? I've never done one, I don't think. Sure, why not? I bet. It's okay. chaotic neutral. We'll, Chrissy, we'll you want to read the the, uh, the chaotic neutral one? We're chaotic neutral yeah. today. Let's, let's mix I'll, it up. Whatever. I will read AD&D second edition. Chaotic neutral characters believe that there is no order to anything, including their own actions. With this as a guiding principle, they tend to follow whatever whim strikes them at the moment. Good and evil are irrelevant when making a decision. Chaotic neutral characters are extremely difficult to deal with. Such characters have been known to cheerfully and for no apparent purpose gamble away everything they have on the roll of a single die. They are almost totally unreliable. In fact, the only reliable thing about them is that they cannot be relied upon. This alignment is perhaps the most difficult to play. Lunatics and madmen tend towards chaotic neutral behavior. Okay, I want to throw in one humorous little thing here. Because Grant just acted kind of like this. He begged and pleaded to read the thing and then immediately handed it over. Well, that's because I had a better idea. <laughs> that's fine. But just... Okay, sorry, Jenny, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, for fifth edition, we have chaotic neutral characters follow their whims, holding their personal freedom above all else. Many barbarians and rogues and some bards are chaotic neutral. <gasps> ah! 
God, the second edition was so bad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she like leaned away from the microphone. So I don't want to max it out. Screamed about that. I didn't want to max it out. <laughs> okay, Chrissy is the guest. I think it's only fair that we give her first crack at the second edition one. <laughs> Because we're all going to rant about this, but we might as well let the guest go first. I mean, it it says right there, chaotic neutral characters are extremely difficult to deal with. And I think historically people have taken that as gospel truth and run with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, I can I can kind of see where this came in from in the very, very early battle days of D&D. And it has grown and changed. But, I mean, yeah, this is basically making an unplayable party member because it would drive everyone crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This oh. is awful. Although, as I was reading, I was like, gamble away everything they have on the roll of a single die. So it's a typical game night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. rolled to hit the dragon. Oh, that's a one. I guess we're going to get TPK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Uh, before I start completely ragging on AD&D 2nd Edition, okay? Both 2nd Edition and 5th Edition, I think because they had so much other bad stuff, could not squeeze in any racial essentialism. I know. I noticed yeah. that too. Yeah. So hooray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. did it. This is the first the time of have bars had, has like, been reached. Racist alignments. Like. See, see, wizards, you can do it. Uh-huh. Just try. Mm-hmm. See, chaotic neutral is the best alignment because anyone can be it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um. I cursed a lot in the outline. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah. He actually went back and had to censor himself in the outline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I do my my one analogy? Because I only have please. one take on this. Please. Chaotic neutral from AD and D Second Edition is just lolso random XD culture with access to sharp knives. It, and yeah. that's a bad yeah. take. No, it's it's absolutely the I'm so random alignment. It's. Yeah. It's the kind of person who doesn't think the Joker is a bad person. Oh, He's yeah. just misunderstood and and so rejected by society. Yeah, it's just like, so random. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's, not, let's well, not acknowledge his complete sadism at all. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, he, he does have that little murdery bit around uh, the edges. Just, yeah, around the edges. Yeah, yeah the, the mass yeah. torture, murder, and terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Let's also, can, can, can we just, I'm going to touch on this once. Can we not insult people with actual mental health issues and oh, by I simplifying know. their struggles so much? Yeah, no, I actually got um, a message from someone. Oh, you know, like, oh you're so talking bad. about chaotic uh, neutral. Please tell me you guys aren't going to call it, you know, bipolar chaotic. It's like, no, 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 no. Why would we do that? Well, apparently the answer is that's what AD&E's second edition thought. I mean, like, they really have this idea of, like, the movie Madman, and I'm using the term Madman in, like, air quotes and finger quotes. It's a very specific thing, not someone suffering from mental illness, a madman. Right, yeah, like the movie version of that, right? The fictionalized. uh, Oh, gosh, what's his name? Renfield. Ren, yeah, Renfield or um, the the, from, from Dracula, the character in Grapes of Wrath. I'm blanking oh, out. You know, tell me about uh, tell me about the rabbits, George. That guy. I'm, mm. it, 
I, I'm blanking out on the name. Um, but, yep. But that, that character, <laughs> right? That guy. Um, that, that idea of somebody who is just living in the moment and giving no thought to consequence, right? And it's just, I think I think <sighs> that is totally separate from the whole lunacy idea. I, I Lenny. Agree. His name was I, Lenny. Lenny, and, thank you. Yes. And it was um, That's not that's not Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, it's not Grapes of that's, Wrath. Uh, it's um, um Mice of, of Mice of Mice of Mice of Men. That's right. Thank you. Same author, different work. I am so, it's, it's still mo- Steinbeck, so I know. I am bad at remembering which Steinbeck book is which. Blaine like his high writing style academic. is very consistent. So I don't it's, think it's, I've ever read a Steinbeck. <laughs> I've read of Mice of Men. I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah, short. It's depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's hideously it's short, depressing. I say, as I mentally glare at uh, Eden, the Eden one. Yeah. The whatever's So Eden. before we East take off on this too much, I, I want to circle back around to something about the 5e description. because mm-hmm. they, It's not the worst. It, it isn't, but they, um, they've done a lot of like racial essentialism in the 5e thing, and they referenced like devils and yugoloths in the the two evil alignments that we've gotten to so far chaotic neutral actually has like a planar species that you know embodies the alignment and they left it out they yeah, didn't mention the slotty at all in and it's like the whole point of slotty is so you have a chaotic neutral quote, demon unquote and they completely forgot to mention them they did i didn't even realize yeah, and they are in the monster manual. It's not they like are. it's not like they're oh. they saved them for a splat book or something. They're right yeah. there. It is it's kind of weird that they did that. And, and don't get me wrong, if we're talking about archetypal um you know, signature planar beings, I'm okay with them being mentioned. Yeah. yeah. In this sort of thing. Like yeah, that, I mean, that makes I had sense. no problem with devils being mentioned in lawful evil. And if they mention demons in chaotic evil next episode, which I'm sure they will, I will have no problem with that either. Yeah. Like, I think and- depending on the setting, I might, I might actually have issue with that because of fiction reasons. But sure. But like the default the standard D&D setting. Default D&D setting. Yeah. It's whatever. Right. Um, and you're right. It is weird that they didn't mention that. Go figure. Yeah. The Chaotic. one time. You had one job. You had one job. I, okay. Oh. They're saving that for the sixth edition. It's this. Okay. The AD&D thing is so bad. I'm honestly like struggling to articulate exactly how bad it is. Do you just need to back well, your chair up about four feet and scream? Well, no, like I, I'm, I'm struggling to put it into words. Oh, That's I why I said right you just need to scream. <laughs> yeah, it's just like most of what I have, like most of my notes are just a, a primal screen about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a very immature, childish version yeah. of it. Uh, I described it as all the capriciousness of Puck without an Oberon there to rein it in. Very much. Yeah. And I think and, that may be the best analogy that any of us have come up with for it, yeah. honestly. Although, honestly... I adore a Midsummer Night's Dream. I would say that it is tied for my favorite Shakespeare play, and I still wouldn't put Puck in chaotic neutral at all, even thinking of what he'd be like without Oberon, because he's not uh, he's not totally thoughtless. Yeah, it, so yeah. that's actually a, a, a good starting point. 
This AD&D 2nd Edition description implies a, a character who does not think about the future at all. Yeah, right. actually it implies a character be... that doesn't fit the conventional like definition of sapience almost. Almost, but I mean we're talking about somebody who, you know, they're unreliable, the only reliable things they can't be relied on, and you know, the only racial in, uh, description and class description they have is lunatics and madmen. Great. Yeah. Thanks. But you know, I think this idea of living in the moment is an interesting jumping off point. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. we talk about the character and like what what this means, right? Chrissy, do you want to start? I sure. Okay, because you you enjoy playing chaotic neutral characters. I do. I think they're a lot of fun. Why? You know. Okay, hang on. Before she gets into that, I want to hit one other thing about the second edition thing because this is going to be important to our conversation later. After having played in the Colony game with Chrissy and our other player, both of whom were playing chaotic neutral characters and being concerned about that initially, going back and reading this second edition description, I'm like offended on behalf of my fellow players to read that. (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, So let me ask you this, Chrissy. Yeah. It says right here, this alignment is perhaps the most difficult to play. I don't at all agree with that. I think Chaotic Neutral is very easy to play. Sorry, Mike. I think Chaotic Neutral is very easy to play because I think that it's a very natural mindset when you strip away worrying about societal conventions and is this good or evil. It's a what do I need right now? What is the easiest way to get it? Uh, The way I play my chaotic neutral characters is they are working on the path of least resistance. If I go, if I need to cross the river and it's the middle of the day and, you know, people are going back and forth on boats and the boat owners are out on the dock, my character will go and try to barter passage or pay for passage. If it's the middle of the night and all the boats are docked and the people who own them are in bed, she's going to take a boat and sail across. Because both ways, both times, she gets across the river, which is what she wants, in the easiest way possible. Right. So it's not lol so random. Yeah. It's, well, this is what I need right now. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that is an interestingly selfish perspective, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to call it's... something else out here, too, that, that kind of breaks from what I expected, is it's not, the character does not go and, like, stab somebody and then take a boat it's just like oh this one isn't tied up all that securely okay you know right we're not chaotic evil yeah. where it's like well can i be a dick along the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how much suffering can i cause in the course yeah. of doing this you know? yeah i think it's also important to to i think we should maybe explore the idea a little bit that this as the selfish alignment, we aren't talking about selfish as in like the malicious malicious form of, of selfishness where I'm going to take from the poor because I can and because it's easy and because they're poor. It's selfishness as in focused entirely on the self. And right, I don't yeah. think selfishness is inherently evil. I think it's a survival mode thing, which we can probably get deeper into later. But uh, from what I understand, Dan, Chrissy, uh, your uh, colony game character was sort of survival mode-ish a yeah. lot, like just focused on um, on surviving for a lot of 
the time. Yeah, because, she was basically a street yeah. rat. In fact, both characters that were chaotic neutral were that because the other mm-hmm. one was a gladiator, like a former yeah. gladiator, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just you know, get out there, fight for your life, get back, you know, basically kind of live in a quasi prison environment, make it through every day. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So both of those had that background. Yeah, uh, and th- and real quick, this idea of being inwardly focused is actually what has me kind of rethinking this whole, or at least maybe putting a different flavor on how we are talking about law versus chaos in this series, because mm-hmm. I think you could make a good argument that um, <sighs> external versus internal, external versus internal is kind of the same thing in D and D terms maybe a better term for what they're trying to describe um, for lawful versus chaotic, right? I have an external set of rules. I have an internal set of rules. I have external priorities. I have internal priorities. I'm not sure that that's a chaos versus law thing. I think it is a neutral versus non-neutral thing. Interesting. Um, Okay. I'm willing to hear you out on that one. Because when we covered neutral good it was what can i do that's good right now what can i do that's good right now when we covered true neutral it was how can i that was also a survival mode thing at least in my mind still very much what can i do to survive right now neutral evil was what can i do to get ahead or you know what can i do to what can i do i think it's a much more and and i think lawful neutral is also um your own personal uh, um, set of rules and and laws that are to be abided by, and so I think it's much less a law versus chaos and much more a neutral versus not neutral thing. Personally, that that's that's I, I my take. See that. That's what that's probably what I'm sticking to because I'm actually yeah. thinking about it. I'm fairly firm in that. Belief. <laughs> okay. No, so, uh, I, I think you have a yeah. point. I'm not sure it gets the entire way there, but I do like that. I do too. Yeah, and and again, we're trying to kind of make the complexity of human morality fit this weird grid that somebody came up with. It fit into nine little boxes. So, let's not set our expectations too high. Right. But I've always said that chaotic neutral characters don't have no morality, they just don't have your morality. Yeah, that it's an internal code of behavior that is can be fairly consistent. It's just the way you act is determined by the current situation around you. Yeah. Um, you could also play it as someone who, for whatever reason, just does not have all the societal filters that we wear out every in public every day. Um, Grant actually commented after the first couple of sessions when I played Aster in the Colony game, he said, I think everyone else is really surprised by this character, but it's just you with your filter off. (laughs) It really is. Aster is just, what, I get to stab these people for real in game? (laughs) So, yeah, it's, that was Aster. And I think Garm was sort of similarly... Our other players character with, you know, like just, you know, that other player with some of the filters removed. So, yeah. Yeah, And it was it was interesting because you mentioned that they were both very survival driven and stuff. And I I have to admit, like at the beginning of that campaign, I was like, oh, man, these you know, these people are just going to be totally ruthless if my character's moral 
compass becomes too inconvenient, they're just going to kill him and dump him in the ocean. Right, but that's because you have serious gaming trauma from playing with awful people. Well, okay, for a specific story even, like a Mm -hmm. true neutral guest wizard that I made an observation about how dangerous it was to be an arcane spellcaster in the setting, he took it as a threat, didn't confirm it with me outside of the game, and got my character killed all in one session. Yep. Oof. Yeah. Hmm. So I was like, well, I guess that's what neutral characters do, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's that's just a player being a jerk. Yeah. 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 But, but, I, yeah, I understand that you've got, you know, it's like, oh, well, that, I guess that's what these characters yeah. do instead of, oh, I guess that's what this player does. Yeah. And that jerk the, does. The, the thing is, uh, first of all, like that permanently damaged my relationship with that guy IRL. Um, which it probably shouldn't have. That was immature twenty-something me. Um, oh. I, I would I would probably go out of my way to treat him nicely if I saw him again in real life, but I doubt I ever will. Uh, you know, high school and stuff just kind of mm-hmm. people disperse in their early twenties. But that also like it was very interesting just how incredibly wrong I was proven to be. Just a few sessions into the the colony game when it's like, these are not unpredictable loose cannons with no loyalties and stuff. These are people who have been through a lot and just like Jenny said in our true neutral episode, just don't have the luxury of morality anymore. Mm-hmm. And that colony game kind of became almost a, I don't, a treatise, an exploration of kind of the whole idea of morality and privilege. Just a little. Yeah, and that was really (laughs) interesting because it's like we have this one character with a good alignment that, you know, Lambert, that was super privileged. And then these two other people that it had to have been in very similar survival situations, really, when you come down to it. I mean, they adapted differently. You know, Aster turned into a shadow and Garm turned into a wrecking machine. But they both lived in these violent worlds where, you know, tomorrow was not guaranteed and neither was your next meal. And it was kind of like you can only be so good in those circumstances and still survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I described uh, the arc at one point as my character started out trying to impress her father and as the game went on, realized that the father figure she was trying to impress wasn't her father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of hit me char- out of game. <laughs> yeah. Huh? I said, and that kind of hit me out of game when you brought it up. Yeah. So, you know, chaotic neutral characters have the potential to change. They could transition to a good or evil alignment through roleplay. But I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking chaotic neutral is chaotic annoying. Yes, Mm. or chaotic random. Yeah. Yeah. Which is chaotic. What can I do to base? And I know people who game with people who take that tack of what can I do with my chaotic neutral character to screw the party over every opportunity I get. Yeah, and just just disrupt and bother and... Yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. I have definitely played the, you know, random sorcerer before, right? Like, you know, the rolling on the wild magic table every time, that kind of thing, right? (laughs) and, And there is fun in that. But that is, this is a character I'm specifically setting out to do this with, not 
Oh, well, I guess that's what all chaotic neutral characters are, and, and you know. And this is a point I feel very strongly about. There is a difference between playing a character who is chaotic in any flavor and being a player that takes the fun away from the other players. Yep. You yeah. can be <laughs> as pants on head crazy as you want to be as a character in the game as long as your craziness does not negatively impact the other player characters without that player's consent we, you mm-hmm. cannot take everyone's stuff and gamble it away because you want to win a fancy pair of shoes mm-hmm. without the party or the other pl- people at the table buying into this arc. Yes, I'm willing to lose my gear for you to do this stupid thing that is very in character. We and this have, is a metagaming thing. It really is. We mm-hmm. have a, a friend of ours who does this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a friend I've, I have obliquely referenced on the show a couple of times. Um, he's kind of what a, a member of what I would call our home group. Um, and... This, he uh, he was in the mage game I played in. He's a lifelong friend. He was he was in our wedding. I mean, come yeah. on, right? <laughs> Very <laughs> yeah. good friend. Um, but he plays random characters in many cases. He's actually in the Star Wars game I'm playing, and he's not doing that as much in this game, which is great, but he definitely loves that archetype. And... What's, what's great about that is he does it in such a way that it is always positive and uplifting for people at the table. Hmm. It's never an annoyance. It's just, well, I'm just going to be kind of ridiculous and then good stuff is going to come out of it. Uh, and, and it's wonderful. Or if anything negative happens, it's all focused back on those characters. The fallout doesn't take in oh, yeah. the rest of the party. Oh, yeah. He's a big fan of, like, Powered by the Apocalypse games. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever happier than when he rolls a six or less in <laughs> Powered by the Apocalypse. And terrible <laughs> things come crashing down upon him, right? He's he's yeah. he's kind of like you, Jenny. Like, what? My yeah. character gets to have terrible <laughs> things happen? <laughs> all right. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's some of that, like, that madness is definitely something he wants to have happen to his character and not the rest of the party. And most of it comes out in dialogue more than action. Yeah, that's another big thing. That's another Mm -hmm. good way to be random without negatively affecting the people at your table is Mm -hmm. just, you know, have your conversations with other players and with NPCs and your interactions when you're role-playing and, you know, the stakes aren't quite as high materially to just yeah. go off the rails and be random. Like, you're having this intense discussion and then suddenly it's a conversation about the NPC's shoes because those are cool shoelaces. Right. <laughs> like, we're, we're negotiating the fate of these countries but I really need to know where you got those shoelaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's I great think, stuff. Yeah, I think um, I, 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 I've I come up with a new archetype here. This isn't in the notes. I don't well, think. Um, fire away. Uh, and it's not necessarily self-based, uh, but it's definitely so focused on one subject, and that is the mad scientist archetype. I think is a pretty good chaotic neutral. And I think, I think this because I've been watching She-Ra lately. I'm yeah. not caught up. Don't spoil things. But Entrapta is mm-hmm. so 
science focused. She yeah, is she the is. science princess. And and she has not just blinded super interested her. in what happens to other people. She is very yeah. inwardly yeah. focused. Yeah, but not necessarily self-focused. Right. Because she doesn't seem to have a whole heck of a lot of self-awareness either. She is for science based. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like is she in danger? Maybe she doesn't know. Yeah. And she doesn't I like I get the feeling she doesn't care who she's working for. She'd have she yeah. just as well work for the good guys. It's yeah. just the bad guys were quicker to take advantage of her and start using her. The bad guys yeah. let her have the stuff she needed to do her research. Yeah, we've only seen mm-hmm. like the first season. Yeah. So, but, you know. yeah, you know, I mean, like, like that that was her entire motivation for switching sides. It's right. they let me do my job. Mm-hmm. Well, they and let me do you guys the thing were I want stopping to do, yeah. me from mm-hmm. doing my job. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's a good again, example. please, no spoilers. I haven't continued watching. But to me, that is the. <laughs> quintessential like Frankensteinian alignment mindset of Mm -hmm. I am doing this for the sake of of science for the sake of doing it Mm -hmm. um I and I obviously I think you can play a a mad scientist as as chaotic good or as pretty much anything but I think if we're going like Frankensteinian alignment I think I think lawful yeah, good would be real hard as a mad scientist. Oh, I disagree. Have you met my dad? <laughs> well, that doesn't I, I, seem I, I, crazy to me, though. I think you could have. You have not have... seen the glimmer in his eye when I mention something that gives him an idea. Okay. <laughs> he has interrupted enough. whole meetings to talk about an idea he's had. Yeah, no, I think law. Uh, I think you could easily have a lawful good scientist or mad scientist. Oh, yeah. Just. You know. Oh yeah, they're it, all over my town. <laughs> like, yes. at, at the very least, a lawful good engineer. Um, oh, that's, that's not hard. That's, that's one of that's one of the three most common engineer alignments, is in my experience. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah there's there's what uh, lawful good, lawful neutral, uh, and, and lawful pedantic. Uh, well, lawful good. I lawful don't know neutral, about and, all lawful all the time because who boy engineers get weird when they actually play D anD. Well, right. Like like I said, lawful good, lawful neutral, and owns a trebuchet. Yeah. So fair enough. But you're right. I I like that that archetype for the mad scientist. I think that's really good. And I think that kind of maybe points to something that maybe the AD and D alignment was trying to get at and just failed miserably to communicate, which is, Mm -hmm. and I think you touched on this as well, Chrissy, there's an alien motivation to a lot of this where it doesn't quite line up with cultural norms. Yeah. Right? Oh, you're operating on different motivations than what I understand from my normal social context. Oh, Entrapta doesn't care about anything except science, and that defies my expectations. Mm-hmm. This person is doing something very strange that defies my understanding. Wait, why is this beholder acting this way? Oh, be, you know, or this weird, you know, extra plane or entity. Oh, it, they're chaotic neutral. They're just operating on like this weird plane of, you know, understanding and their priorities are utterly alien yeah. from mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be the core for all of these is where are your priorities? Yes. And how do those line up with 
society and its rules. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's not evil in that it's, you know, actively seeking to harm people or being selfish, and if it's not good in that it is, you know, working for the common good in some way and working to try and better other people and, you know, is generally selfless if not, you know, it, it, you can be selfless while also being somewhat inwardly focused, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that kind of puts you squarely in that chaotic neutral territory. I mean... Right? You know, chaotic neutral characters can have friendships and relationships. They can have things they care deeply about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that they will die for, but... Yep. That was Garm. They can't be bothered yeah. to care about that person over there because it's the right thing to do because they don't know that person. And that's and maybe a that lot of it, That was more Aster. <laughs> well, yeah, no. that was Aster. It was Aster, but it was also Garm, mm-hmm. right? If I don't yeah. have an attachment to you, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that idea of only my own experiences matter is kind of interesting. Like, they have a tiny monkey sphere. Yeah, have we used the term? We've used the term monkey sphere on this we podcast before. We have, but before. go ahead and remind people because it's a neat Yeah, term. remind me. You haven't used it with me. Okay, I think it may have sphere? actually predated your time on the podcast. It might have. Jenny, this might have. Uh, yeah. So the monkey sphere is the idea that humans can only deeply care about so many people. Oh, I know about um, the monkey sphere. Yeah. I know Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number. Um, so I... According to Google, the suggested cognitive limit to the number of people with whom can one can maintain stable social relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can only really care about so many people at once. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. Chaotic neutral people, probably more than chaotic evil people who might only really care about themselves. Mm-hmm. But a chaotic neutral person probably has a pretty small monkey sphere. You know, because they're somewhat inwardly focused and they just don't really care that much about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Until it, they really do. <laughs> Until they really do. Yeah. And that's important. Mm-hmm. You, they're, they're the kind of person who either doesn't care or really cares. Yeah. I mean, and it's the people you interact with. It does not matter what that person over there thinks about me because they don't affect me in any way. I don't have to like them and they don't have to like me because we don't interact. This person I live with I care about and I care what they think because I have to live with them and work with them and they're part of my family. The police officer, I care what he thinks because he can arrest me. So I will not do something I should not do while he is standing there. And I do think it's okay to say, hey, maybe some chaotic neutral people, not all, but some might struggle to empathize with people they haven't met Mm -hmm. before and Mm -hmm. don't really know well, right? Maybe they struggle with abstracted empathy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That could be an interesting way to flavor a, a character. But that also um, doesn't necessarily mean they're amoral sociopaths no, either. No, of course not. It no, no. can sometimes, but... Well, I think at that point you're getting into chaotic evil. Yeah. You're definitely dancing on the border. Oh, no, I think, yeah. I think if you're a sociopath, you're going into evil territory. Yeah. Um, maybe not super deep into it, depending on how you do the character, but I think yeah. you're there. Yeah. But that idea of, like, I just, I have to know you in order to care... First off, I think it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. More common mm-hmm. than, you know, we probably yeah. like to admit. Well, to a degree, um, caring, again, is privilege. You have to have enough free emotional energy 
to care about things in the abstract. And if you're worried about surviving and eating and getting through the next day, you don't have a lot of spare emotional energy to care about things that don't affect you. And yeah. I mean, what... like, honestly, uh, personal life stuff, I have not been following international news for the last two months. I have been focusing almost exclusively on local news mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I just don't have the spoons right now. Yeah. I just don't have the spell slots to deal with things outside of my very immediate sphere because because caring's a privilege. It's also I think we should also maybe bring up the whole thing humans in general have difficulty emoting along with something that's just a number to them. Until you put a name and a face to a statistic, people don't really get it. We've been seeing this a lot in news recently. You see it a lot with, like, the further away that you get from a historical event, the less people are able to empathize What's or that sympathize. What's horrible with... Stalin quote? A million deaths is a statistic exactly. and one is a tragedy? Statistic, yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think that is a facet that every human has that you can ramp up to 11 with a chaotic neutral character. Yeah, I saw an interesting phrase several years ago and it said it was compassion fatigue. Yes. Is that people cannot care about everything. You cannot care about AIDS and Ebola and COVID and the sea turtles and the whales and the humanitarian crisis in name a country and, and you know, the homeless person down the street and the people sick in the hospital and the person on your church's prayer list. There's a limit to how much you can care because you we're just finite don't have, creatures. <laughs> yeah, we're finite creatures, mm -hmm. and you have to prioritize what you care about. And most people start in their circle and work out until they meet their limit. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's actually something the Bodana Group helps like professional mental health practitioners with, or at least it was the first time we had Jack on. I don't know if they've gotten away from that, but they were doing like gaming therapy and compassion fatigue. Those were kind of their two core competencies. Yeah. Um, I, I want to point out, C.S. Lewis actually covers a lot of what we're talking about in Mere Christianity. Yep. The chapter on forgiveness actually kind of starts with this, this idea that it's really easy to talk, of, you know, talk about and care about one, per, you know, a person and forgive them. Or it's really hard to do that. And it's very easy. To, like there's this disconnect between big abstract groups and individuals mm -hmm. right and you know it's it's very easy to kind of say well you know i want to you know we need to love all of them right you know all of our enemies absolutely but then also you know we we really focus on like the one person that wronged us mm -hmm. and you know i think there is some real value as christians in thinking of this and saying how do we transition into really treating People we've never met, you know, and people who we don't really have any emotional connection to, people who are not in our monkey sphere, and treat them as if they were. Treat them as if they were people we care about and make that our default way of thinking about others and treating them that way. Because the warmest, kindest people are those who sort of make you feel as if, yeah, they do know you. Mr. Rogers, his monkey sphere is the size of the world. Well, right, but that's because <laughs> yeah. he didn't put any, he didn't create a boundary. It was just, 
oh, you, you're here. I'm going to treat you as if I know you and love you. Right. And it yeah. turns out that very quickly that turns into, yeah, I know you and love you. And, you know, Christ preached exactly the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, we, you know, that's that's really valuable to us as Christians. And that is not to say that you could not have a a Christian chaotic neutral character. Right. <laughs> but that could very well be something that that person struggles with, where it's like, yeah, you know, I really struggle to to go from abstract people I don't know to people I do know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I treat those those groups differently. Friendly reminder that it is a very valid choice to say, I want to start with a chaotic neutral character and go to a good alignment. Absolutely. Or- or even go to an evil alignment if you feel like exploring that, you know, whatever floats your boat. I don't feel like it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't either, but yeah. I can see somebody wanting to play through, you know, a tragic downfall as an arc. Well, mm-hmm. sort cool. of my character in Peter's game, the motorcycle game, was someone oh, who yeah. had been on the side of evil and had basically no moral compass, struggling to find one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And playing a paladin, it and, should be noted. Yeah. 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 Yeah, one of one of the most like flawed and broken, but also genuine paladins I've seen in pretty much my whole gaming history. So yeah, and and I think that idea of a a flawed and broken paladin who is still good and still lawful is I think vital. she was neutral good. Yeah, I think she yeah. Was well, okay, well. yes, but that uh, that idea of like she somebody was working who's... towards. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten what, what alignment mm-hmm. I, exactly yeah. she was. But that idea of, like, yeah, this is a good person, they're just not flawless, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something we need to spend a lot more time on, frankly. And, and I think the alignment trap is one where it's like, oh, well, this character is lawful good. They can't, they can't have moments that make them fail. Mm-hmm. Richard Beck actually had um, a uh, series on his experimental theology blog that kind of covered this whole monkey sphere thing where it's like i i like people in or i like humanity but it's people i can't stand kind of a thing (laughs) yeah yeah where you've got Mm -hmm. you know um that was an interesting series i'll i'll link the first entry of that in the show notes and then you can just kind of continue on from there in the sequence i think it was about five or so right Uh, one other thing that i i want to i got a couple other things that i want to discuss here as far as this in play you can tell from us talking that We've, you know, like the the four of us and a couple of our other friends have kind of spent some time in this place. <laughs> and I, I think this is there. We're kind of dancing around something that's kind of important here. And that's that this is one of those alignments where metagame trust is kind of important. if You're going to pull it yeah. out of the table um, after playing the colony game. When Chrissy made Irsa in the Princes of the Apocalypse game as chaotic neutral, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I know how this is going to go, basically. I trust Chrissy. You know, I've I've been gaming with her for the better part of a decade at this point. I, I know that her characters are not just going to, you know, be the sort that don't have any loyalties or, you know, relationships beyond convenience and just be totally ruthless all the time she'll she's fine she'll have a little more of an edge than the character that i play that they'll be foils for each other we'll both be foils for croucher's crazy impulsive neutral goodness and it'll it'll be great but i would not feel the same with 
a rando at a convention like I could I could take anybody that's kind of in our current Saturday gaming group. And if they said, you know, I'm playing chaotic neutral, I'd be like, all right, fine. You know, whatever you do, you at this point. But people outside your monkey sphere. Yeah. If I sit down at a a table in a convention, I'm going to be worried that I'm either going to run into something like the story that I that gave me like a really bad view of neutral alignments in the first place that I talked about early in the episode, or I'm going to run into something from like that story of me tilting at the end of Fear the Con where the guy next to me just went, you know, full murder hobo on some cat like anthro cats that weren't bothering anybody. Right. The oh, I confused uh, chaotic evil with chaotic neutral or I was playing chaotic evil, but the GM wouldn't let me. So, yeah, yeah. I'm chaotic neutral. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. I think we've all seen that particular character. But, Uh, you know, again, if you respect the other people at the table and you come to the game as a team player who wants to facilitate everyone's fun, you shouldn't mm -hmm. have this unless everyone's bought into that idea of, yeah, that can be your character. I mean, there are many times when I've thought in a metagame sense, like, my character might not necessarily go along with this, but... It's not important enough to wreck everyone else's fun or derail the plot or whatever. So why should I choose to not do this just because I'm chaotic neutral? That way is where the fun is. So, okay, we've talked a lot about how we do characters. Mm -hmm. It's maybe worth calling out a couple of examples that people can use as touchstones, Mm -hmm. right? Peter, you've got a couple you wanted to touch on. I do. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I think I'm actually going to start with the fictional ones and then I've got two from scripture. So the the fictional examples that I have are Captain Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you know what? I think he's what most chaotic neutral players are trying to play. Certainly after those movies came out. Yes. Yeah, definitely after those movies came out. Yeah, he definitely um, became the archetype after that. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all Johnny Depp, and we don't all have that scriptwriter. Oh, thank though. God. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the other one is Conan, mm-hmm. and I, I've been reading a bit of Conan lately, as I've mentioned on some previous episodes. Conan kind of falls into the category of characters that are essentially on the side of good, but are so flawed and, in his particular case, so ruthless that you really can't put a good alignment on them. They they seem to wind up kind of on an acceptable side of things as much through, like, chance as any deliberate action on their part. Well, they definitely have a morality. It's just that that morality is not a cultural morality. It's a yeah. savage morality. And, and Howard actually discusses that a fair bit. Like, yeah, he, that's why I'm used that term. Yeah, he he pulls out a lot of references to Conan's barbaric or primitive mindset. Right. And a lot of the time he presents it as an advantage that Conan has over the other people that he's interacting with. In fact, actually, the at least from the, the stories that I've read so far... It seems like his primary advantages are raw physical prowess and combat skill, sneakiness, and a totally different mindset from everybody else around him. Yeah, because Conan, we, we tend to think of Schwarzenegger Conan, if you haven't read mm-hmm. the books. Yeah, and I've never Conan's even seen thief. the Schwarzenegger movies. I only have the books to go off yeah. of at this Conan point. Conan is a thief. 
He's yeah. big, he's muscular, but he's kind of rangy and sneaky and lithe. He's a jaguar, mm-hmm. not an ox. Yeah. Yeah, he's real, like... <laughs> he. One of the things that kind of was interesting to me as I started reading some of these is just how, like, cunning and stealthy he is. Jaguar is a really good analogy. Yeah. Maybe panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, very and, um, much a actually, big cat kind of a Cull, character. Uh, in his in his Cull series, Howard uses the term panther-like a great deal to describe the main character, who's sort of a pre-Conan character. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to kind of contrast Conan with Solomon Kane, who is almost certainly lawful good. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like same author, totally different mindset. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of to dovetail with these a little bit, the the two scriptural touchstones I have are a couple of Old Testament characters. Jacob, blessing-stealing, brother-tricking, angel-wrestling, goat-skin-wearing Jacob. Uh, See Genesis 27 for the archetypal story of him stealing Esau's blessing right out from under him with some stew and some goat hair. (laughs) <laughs> and Samson, who Jenny and I had a good rant about in a bonus episode <laughs> some yep. time back. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, as I was putting the notes down for this episode, it was kind of like, you know, Samson and Conan are kind of almost interchangeable in some ways. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of wrath and lust and gluttony in those two. They're very id-driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Jacob is much more of like a scheming kind of character, and actually Jack Sparrow kind of is too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's interesting to have kind of this contrast between these guys that are just like these big, powerful, like id-driven characters and these real conniving, like three steps ahead of everybody on a path that they'd never expect kind of people. Can I point out real quick that the character that on the surface is lol I'm so random is the one you identified as a schemer. Yeah. Drunken master is how I'd put it. it like exactly. That's it, what I kind of want to Everything it out. about Jack Sparrow reminds me of the drunken master style of fighting where yes. it looks like you are a bumbling fool but you are actually thinking about everything that you're doing like three times before you do it there's an actual line from a british officer in one of the uh, pirates of the caribbean movie when jack does something totally audacious and he says do you think he has a plan or just makes it up as he goes along and it sounds like he honestly can't figure it out yeah so i cannot vouch for the truthfulness of any of these okay but it's a meme and it kind of fits into this this archetype right so you know from a russian document one of the serious problems in planning against american doctrine is that the americans do not read their manuals nor do they feel any obligations to follow their doctrine (laughs) and then you know uh german uh officer the reason that the american army does so well in wartime is that war is chaos and the american army practices chaos on a daily basis (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, an American quote, if we don't know what we're doing, the enemy certainly can't anticipate our actions. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I think I've heard one or two of those applied to Canadians when we like to think that, you know, we're so much better than everyone I'm else. sure. It's, again, it's a yeah. meme. I can't vouch for the validity of any of these. But that idea of uh, the advantage of unpredictability is certainly a positive trait for anybody doing that chaotic neutral you know, I'm random and unpredictable, but am I really, you know, drunken master approach? 
there, there is something to that, though, because I think that would probably also apply to the Australians. There's a certain kind of like former British colony mindset of like decentralized military control that definitely makes them harder to anticipate in the field. Yeah. Well, they're audacious. That idea of audacity. Wait, I'm sorry, you did what? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like that it's famous really quote well. from the Battle of the Bulge. We have you surrounded. Surrender. Nuts. What? You know, right. Nuts <laughs> well, is the only reply you're sending? Or let's pull it back to gaming. You remember Hala? Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason I made Hala chaotic neutral. Like, I think for gameplay reasons... And I think because you were GMing, I pulled her back towards true neutral. But fundamentally, Hollow was a chaotic neutral monk of, eh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Like, that was just basically her guiding principle. Oh, what would be smart? Well, not leaping on this giant flying wasp and, uh, you know, tackling it in 60 feet above the crevice. Well, I'll do that anyway. That sounds fun. I just but, I remember the the stealth mission you did and you um started like singing a cover of a Winnie the Pooh song it's like I'm just a little black drive train yeah exactly. the delivery truck or something like that it was yeah exactly yeah I mean but that that was hollow right yeah and that idea of just being so audacious you catch everyone by surprise is a really delightful archetype it is fun. Like, it is genuinely fun to surprise everyone at the table and make the GM go, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you do what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's not necessarily exclusive to chaotic neutral. Oh, certainly not. Because yeah. I will still maintain that Croucher is, is neutral good, but Croucher does things sometimes. Croucher does. Um, Croucher but I dances think it, to the beat of her own drum. I think it is yes. archetypal of that alignment. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some pretty audacious lawful characters, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, every alignment is going to be flavored by the person who's playing it. I mean, I could... 90% of my gameplay would be the same no matter what my alignment is. I like Chaotic Neutral because it gives me a little bit more freedom for how I solve a problem Mm. in-game. You know, I don't have to always worry about... You know, what is the right or wrong thing to do? It's like, this This is how I would solve this problem. Here's what. Here are the tools I have to hand. Let's do this. Um, but I, I find it a fun alignment to play because I think it gives you a little more creative freedom with the way you interpret things. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, Chaotic Good, as we discussed with Elizabeth last episode, is really surprisingly narrow. And Chaotic Neutral is, like, real super broad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think there's some interesting room in having a character and 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 feeling that freedom of, well, I'll just kind of solve it however I want. Honestly, I feel like sometimes the reason I play chaotic neutral characters is because I can just sort of let my emotions as a player dictate how my character acts. In some ways, you can just like, do the most satisfying thing as a player at any given point in the narrative. Yeah, like sometimes if I'm having a bad day, my character will act differently, and that's just because, you know, it's just me, right? Instead, and I don't have to like oh, my character wouldn't do that. No, okay, fine. I'll just kind of wallflower, whatever. Yeah, I I will say that's one of the things that I find 
kind of stressful about playing some of the like super virtuous good characters that I try to play is like if I'm having a bad day, sometimes that stuff doesn't come real naturally. No. Yeah. And sometimes forcing yourself into that mindset resets you and gets you out of that that funk that you're in. Yeah. You know, let, let's not pretend it doesn't go both ways. Bleed is a good thing in some cases if you yeah, set it up correctly. I mean, even something as simple as just like um, I, I know for a fact that you and I have both experienced going into one of these podcast recording sessions in a much worse place than we came out of it in. Mm -hmm. I oh, mean, there, yeah. there have been times where I've been editing and I can hear like one of our voices change <laughs> throughout <laughs> the episode. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, gaming can have that same effect. You know, it's sometimes, you know, engaging socially can can definitely like swish around some brain chemicals a little bit. Sure. <laughs> and I think at that point it might be okay to just be, listen, I'm going to play chaotic neutral and just, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to show the, the wind blows. Yeah. yeah. And just kind of give yourself that freedom if you absolutely have to. You I think that's you, okay. Boo. Yeah. You do you boo the alignment. <laughs> I, th I think part of the appeal of chaotic neutral for me is that I am a stay at home mom and Every day for 12 hours a day, I am the lawful good arbiter of everything that happens in the house. <laughs> and by game night, I really just want to um, traipse daintily off and do whatever I want to do. You're about 750% done. <laughs> you have no idea. Grit can see the moment on my face when I check out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All we were right. just like that after a while. Oh, um, how does that look? Oh. <laughs> and, and I think that idea of an... Let's maybe make this the last last point here just because of time, but that idea of an id-driven character is pretty interesting, mm -hmm. right? They're not evil. They're just very much driven by, you know, their id, baser urges, and they can channel that to, you know, and they're certainly not trying to hurt others along the way. It's just those things are more important to them. Right? Yeah. Whereas if they're active, if, if some of their pleasure is, you know, harming others, getting one up on others, maybe they're, you know, dipping into chaotic evil at that point. Right. But if they're just sort of, you know, I like to, I like to eat and drink and fight and do other things. Well, okay. That might be just a chaotic neutral character. Yeah. Right. They're not evil, but they're not going out of their way to be good either. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a very intelligent animal in that particular case. It's just you know biology has taken over. <laughs> yeah, in some cases. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Do we have any last minute thoughts? No, we covered that last line. Uh, we have not. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe one last thing to point out. We've kind of danced around this through the whole series, and I think I kind of touched on this as well earlier. We're alignment is not prescriptive. It's descriptive. It, yeah. So please do not use any alignment descriptor, especially not AD&D second edition, but that includes fifth edition as well, or any better edition, whichever, to like say, this is how my character should be, or worse, this is how your character should be. Right? Or even like take it further and like, this is how my character has to be. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, don't do that. 
right? We're talking about descriptions and very general categories. Again, Mm -hmm. three by three grid attempting to encompass Encompass all of human behavior and experience is going to fall short. (laughs) Well, and not even human, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, supernatural good and evil and law and order and also, you know, Bob, who lives three houses down from you. Yeah. Everything from literal angels to literal demons, dragons, bizarre extraplanar entities. And, and fungus. Uh, you know, yeah. And fungus and dwarves and elves and people. And yeah. Ugh. People of all kinds of weird fantasy races that are like descended from magical experiments that the Simic Guild did. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If it doesn't have a number and a die attached to it, then it is a jumping off point for your imagination or a guideline for kind of how your character will approach a problem or a situation, not you must sell all your worldly belongings and swim across the canal instead of using the bridge because it's Tuesday. Right. And you rolled a five. (laughs) Yes. Also, if anybody ever says to you, you know, oh, uh, your character, your chaotic neutral... Uh, yeah, roll to see if you do this thing, right? Like, you know, roll to see if your actions are randomly determined. Uh, just, you know, hit them on the knuckles with your rolled-up character sheet and say, no, bad GM. <laughs> <laughs> you have my permission. Tell them get, I Get out you. the squirt bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, bad GM. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Chrissy? Yes. This has been good. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm really glad to have you here to talk about this, give your perspective, which has been incredibly helpful and has kept me from just yelling angrily into the microphone for about, you know, 45 minutes. Well, that's Didn't what I stop do me. mostly is keep you from yelling angrily at things. Ah, true. Marriage. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to plug before we head out of here? Uh, no, I am entirely without projects or anything other than raising your progeny and occasionally sewing masks. And cross-stitching. And cross-stitching. And doing workouts. I live a ve- lead a very exciting life. I've seen your workouts. Yeah. Those are exciting. They are, but they I don't They exhaust think- me from the other side of the room. <laughs> and a cat. <laughs> and a cat, yes. All right. Uh, we're going to try and put a link to all the um, books that we talked about in the show notes. If you want links to other things, like our social media or our Discord, you can go to our website, stgcast.org. We're on social media as Saving the Game on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love for you to uh, follow us there and give us a listen and share us around. Uh, Please do take some time to share us out. Um, Now more than ever, while people are looking for podcasts to entertain them, uh, it's a great time to let people know that we exist. Like, don't be afraid to say, hey, this is a podcast I like. Put it out there for the world. You know, it, it helps us enormously. Likewise, reviews help us enormously. We love getting reviews. Uh, they really do make us feel good. Uh, and if they're not positive reviews, they definitely point out things that we need to improve on. You know, go out mm-hmm. to iTunes and give us a review. I don't say go out and give us a five-star review. I say go out and give us an honest review. You know, iTunes, yeah. Podchaser, whatever it is, it helps us. It really does. Yeah, something that I want to call out there. There have been a couple of times where we have gotten a good review, but not a perfect score on something, and somebody has had specific criticism. Oh, it's so helpful. Yeah, yeah, we've been like, oh, wow, they... um, that's a good point. We can fix that in the very next episode, you know? Yeah, we've been doing this for almost, what, eight years now, Peter? Yeah, it'll, I mean... 
Yeah, yeah. It's we, we fall, 2012 we, into, we started this thing. Yeah, so. we fall into ruts. It happens, yeah. right? It's hard to see. Please call us out on that stuff. Uh, yeah. But also, if you want a community where you can easily reach out to us, uh, definitely join our Discord server, which is full of wonderful people. Um, you know, just a big old chat room full of delightful people who do things like organize uh, community-driven devotionals and run Habitica quests and talk about food and show off their awesome plants and, uh, you know, pray for each other and talk about role-playing games. It's it's amazing. There's all yeah, sorts of delightful really people. Yeah, it's a really nice crew of people. And I swear mm-hmm. there's like a new person who shows up every day. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, super welcoming too. By the way, oh like, yeah, uh, some so somebody I, I saw this the other day. Some new person joined, and you know, Discord does the little bit, the cute little introduction thing. And I think within two minutes of that person like popping in, one of our moderators was like, "Hey, good to have you. Do you need a tour? You know, I can show you some of the various channels around here that are not super obvious." And it's like. Even before we had moderators, the community was just like that. Like, you yeah. uh, you know, if you if they're mostly in North America. So if you pop in in the middle of the night in North America, you might not get as warm of a reception. But exactly. Uh, yeah. Somebody actually just joined our discord while we were talking and recording. So, oh, you know, really? it, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and I remember a couple weeks ago, uh, somebody new joined, made a joke, and then suddenly like every single person had renamed their uh themselves after that person just for fun like it was just there's just a lot of fun that happens it's great stuff yeah um and if you want to be really scared you know go to the fitness channel and see the workouts chrissy posts um (laughs) i lurk on the other channels but i only have enough bandwidth for one social media at a time i don't blame you yeah yeah no no judgment there (laughs) all right we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Uh, we definitely want your feedback on this. Tell us your uh, your chaotic neutral perspectives. Tell us your horror stories about chaotic neutral characters. We want to hear those too. Yeah, or your good stories. Like or your good stories. It's always mm. nice to hear you know stories of people handling something extremely well too. Give so. us the chaotic neutral love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. From all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.